actually will be interviewing as a team. You are the best movers on the planet. So, bro, what kind of muscles you have? No. Bro, what kind of patterns you have? We're here to fuck shit up. Movement Athlete Podcast episode. So, last week I said it was episode 13. This is episode 13. Um, I'm Dr. Yeah. Wes Hendricks. I'm John Lindsay. So, John, I think we were just determined we're going to talk about breaking through training plateaus. You know, everyone has them at some point in time. Um, I don't want to say they're, they're not fun because that's what keeps training interesting. Like, if we were always making this perfect progress, it really wouldn't be exciting. We would know when we were going to achieve something. It wouldn't be as um, worthwhile or rewarding. You know, it, it kind of the, the plateau or getting stuck or struggling makes it all kind of worth it or more enjoyable. Um, at least I think so. Yeah, I like that. And sometimes you go into a session where you're expecting, all right, maybe I'll make some small, small progress from my last session. And instead, you make this almost what seems like huge leap, too. So it's crazy how within training, you can be in a plateau, you can maybe even regress sometimes, you can make incremental gains. And then sometimes you can make these huge gains, too. So um, I think if you are stuck on a plateau, it's possible that a huge progress is just around the corner. But other times, maybe it's you need to rethink uh, what you're doing training wise. So I think that's kind of going to be what we're going to touch on today. Yeah, because I, I would definitely say it's at a, it at times can kind of be an emotional roller coaster, um, especially yeah, no if, you've been, if you've been stuck on something for a while. It just seems like so far away, so impossible. Um, but like what you said, I like that. A lot of times it's right around the corner. You don't even realize it. Um, so from your perspective with mobility work, um, what, where, where do you want to start with this? Uh, well, I think it depends on who we're talking to. So let's say we're talking to someone who's been really into trying to progress their mobility the past, maybe they're two years in, they've set goals for the front, the middle split, maybe the back bridge as well. And they're, They've tacked away at it, they've tacked away at it, but they've hit a plateau at some point. So somebody yeah. who's, because I think that's probably the majority of our listeners. Yeah, I would someone, say. Somebody who's kind of going to fit that profile. Um, and I think the biggest thing, the first thing you need to look at, which is something Wes and I have stressed in numerous podcasts already, is how many times a week are you training these things? Because once you've gotten into mobility training enough that you have specific goals and you have days where you're like, all right, today I'm doing my front split work. Today I'm doing my middle split work. You have those specific goals. Um, you probably need, don't need to be training quite as much as you think. Uh, we've both been on the record saying for both those things, front split and middle splits, um, once a week is more than enough. Uh, and once a week for only maybe a 45 minute to an hour top session, is going to be more than enough. You should obviously be training hard within that session. Um, but that's really all you need to tack away at it. As long as you know how to execute drills correctly um, and you're utilizing time correctly within that hour or 45 minutes, uh, a once a week is all you need. I think any more than that could be overtraining. And that's how you kind of hit a plateau sometimes because you just don't have enough time to recover. Um, the body still hasn't recovered fully from the previous session and you're jumping right back into it. I mean, I've fallen victim to this so many times the past few years where I think, and this is something else we've touched on where, oh man, if I don't train today, I'm going to lose my progress. When in reality, it's 
if you're fighting through the soreness and then maybe by the end of the session, you kind of get to where you were the last time, you're not fresh, uh, that's going to that's gonna hinder you more than it is going to progress you. So I think the biggest thing people need to look at is, all right, how many times a week am I training this? When I go into a session, do I feel fully recovered from the, pre- the previous session? If you're, let's say the front foot, for example, if you're going into that and your first two things are something for the hip flexors probably and something for the hamstrings and you go into that and you're the first couple movements of whatever it is, you're like, oh man, I feel achy. I guess I got to go harder today. Well, maybe take the day off and rest. Um, The best sessions I've had for front split and middle split is when I'm hitting that first set of whatever it is, my whole body just feels so fresh and loose. Um, So again, if you were going into a session and everything feels tight, stiff, you probably need at least another day or two to recover. So just because it's Tuesday and you're supposed to be training front splits, maybe wait till Thursday. Um, I think, that's my big advice i rambled there a little bit but just resting and recognizing when the body needs rest uh it's easy to overtrain mobility um because it seems like it's stretching it's something you should do every day but uh if you have these bigger specific goals you might need to rest more than you think yeah we're not making progress technically when we're training we're making progress in between sessions when our body is actually um adjusting you know super compensations kicking in we're recovering from the actual training that we did um, you know, that's why we're eating healthy, you know, we're sleeping well, we're, we're doing all these things, you know, John's wearing his blue light blocking glasses right now. I think those are blue light blocking, um, cause he's going to go to bed in like an hour. Um, we're doing all these things to, to aid in the process. So we need to understand that it's not just a matter of smashing ourselves in the gym. And I really like that you brought up kind of, um, overtraining or under recovering because at the very best, um, we're not going to make progress, but at the worst, we're going to get injured. Um, and you were kind of alluding to that right there. You know, you start to, you know, you start to, especially for people that we're talking about that have been doing this for a couple of years now, um, you know, it shouldn't take half an hour to get warmed up. You know, we've talked about your middle split sessions before, how you kind of, um, and I'm, I'm the same way, obviously I'm not as advanced as you, but it's, it's, you know, you do a couple horse stance squats, then more or less you jump right into it. You know, you're not spending 45 minutes to get to your first working set you know same thing with my handstand push-ups i do a handstand i do one eccentric and then i'm out the gate running in less than 10 minutes most of the time um and if i'm not that's and we'll get into that too because i can talk about it with strength work but that's an indicator that maybe i'm not recovered enough um and then forcing it maybe isn't the best idea um because that's how we, we start to have these minor aches and pains Um, other signs of overtraining is going to be maybe a lack of motivation to train or really needing to amp ourselves up, whether it's coffee, pre-workout, um, or the needing 45 minutes to get warm up. So those, those kind of indicators, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be aware of. And I really like that you said, just because it's Tuesday, um, I need to do my middle split day, be a little flexible. Don't be so OCD. Take a little more, take a little bit more of an intuitive approach. Um, and it's probably going to help. Um, so I like that one a lot. Um, you want to keep talking about mobility? Yeah, sure. Um, and I can totally relate with people. I love having my set schedule for the week. So it's so tough for me when I'm on my front split day or whatever. And then I start to get into the session and I'm just like, I know I could push through this, but I know it's not going to be a great session. Let me wait till the next day. It, It sucks when you love having a nice schedule, but, uh, if you want the best results, listen to your body be intuitive about it and you'll get better results. 
Um, so aside from resting, what are some other things you should look for if you're plateauing and how you can tweak that? Uh, first off, you got to ask yourself, how long have you been doing X program? If you're, let's say maybe you have a coach or you're training yourself and you've, you just started a new phase of front split work and you're two weeks into it and you haven't seen much progress yet. Well, maybe you need to go a little bit longer. I would say anywhere from six to eight weeks within a phase, you should expect to see some sort of noticeable progress. If not at that point, then maybe we can start tweaking stuff. But if it's early on, don't get discouraged that it sucks because you're only training it once a week and you would think I need to see progress every week, but maybe it'll be every four or five weeks, you start to see some sort of breakthrough. You're sitting much longer in the long lunge. Um, you're pulling deeper clearly into the single leg good mornings. Uh, if you're doing eccentric front splits, you're, you just have a sense of more strength as you're sliding into it, something like that. Uh, so if you are noticing progress, you're good to go. But if you do feel like you're plateauing, I would start by tweaking the amount of time you're holding isometric holds. So for, I'm using front splits as an example. So I think the gold standard for the hip flexor portion of the front split is the long lunge hold. And I like to build people up, and I did this myself too, to very, very long holds, up to 90 seconds at a time. So if you're doing that work for, let's say, 30 to 45, maybe 60 seconds for four or five holds, maybe sub it out for three sets of 90 seconds at a long lunge hold and take a longer rest in, in between those sets too. Um, rest enough to where you feel like, all right, this next hold, I'm going to be looser and I'm going to be able to get deeper into this. Um, I think with a lot of mobility work, being able to get to whether it's front split, middle split or bridge, when you are doing holds that really um, kind of look like the position you're getting at, being able to hold those for longer, in my opinion, is going to be better if you're able to. Your body's going to be, you're essentially exposing your body to the position for a longer period of time. So it's going to adapt to that. So if you've been doing shorter work, whether it's long lunch holds for the front split, it's middle split isometrics with blocks, um, stuff like that. Try doing maybe less overall sets, but for longer periods of time and rest for a longer period of time in between as well. Um, again, I just think the body, you're exposing it in that position for a longer period of time. So it has more time to adapt and kind of learn how to own that position. Honestly, that's the same way. It's interesting that you brought that up. It's the same way um, I'm going to really break up people's phases and strength work between accumulation and intensification to lower reps or higher reps if we're going to keep it simple. So you basically just did the, the same thing right there, which is absolutely phenomenal because we don't want to just train low reps all the time or just train high reps all the time. So we're introducing a new stimulus, even though it's the same movement. Um, and the new stimulus is going to typically break through that plateau. So I, I like the, uh, the similarities between the strength and mobility work right there. Um, as you were explaining that so very well, I was thinking to myself, when was the last time you had a plateau? And what was um, it? I mean, I've plateaued on my front split and middle splits. I've kind of gone – I mean, I – continue to progress a little by a little, but there has been moments where I've plateaued even slightly regressed. And I mean, nine times out of 10, it's, I need a rest week, like almost, I actually probably 10 out of 10. It's, I just need a rest <laughs> week. And uh, again, I preach this to everyone. It's, I love to move around and do just physical activity in general. So it's so tough for me to be like, 
I need a rest week. I'm more often than not, I just kind of push through it. But eventually I do hit a plateau for two, three weeks in a row. And I'm like, okay, I'll take the week off. And it, it always helps out a lot. So, um, yeah, more, more often than not, it's the, I just need a rest. So when you, is it a full like deload? Is it a deload week where we're doing like less volume, less intensity? Um, um, I try to, I say I try to be intuitive with it and listen to my body. Like if I'm doing a front split session and I'm like, oh, my hip flexors are a little tender. So are my hamstrings. Maybe I'll just do like two sets of 10 diagonal stretch instead. Um, stay moving. Or maybe I'll just take, yeah, maybe I'll just take the whole week off. I'll go on, uh, if I'm, cause I usually do that at work. I'll go on like a bike ride or something instead. Um, it really just depends on the day. I don't have a protocol there. Uh, I like to just stay away from the kind of like the deep long lunge holds, the front split eccentrics or the middle splits isometric holds, anything where I'm getting basically to my end range, I stay away from it. I think it's okay to do if you're on a middle split day and you want to deload doing some horse stance squat work or horse stance good morning work. I think that's fine, but it's don't flirt with your end range too much because that's uh that's what causes the soreness in the first place. So that's, that's what needs to be recovered. Yeah, you're staying, you're staying moving, but you're not, you know, working at the kind of upper end of that training intensity that you would, um, in a normal training session. So, you know, you're, you're not taking the whole week off and sitting on the couch. Um, you know, I think some people when they hear take the week off, that's what they imagine, you know, you're still staying active, you know, maybe you're also going paddle boarding or, you know, um, lunging in the park barefoot or whatever you guys do on the weekends um you know you're still doing something yeah and i'm uh a little obsessive when it comes to like kind of using my mobility so i end up like sitting in a pancake getting in a max forward folds all the time so although i don't document it i'm using a lot of that mobility all the time so it's it again when I'm at a plateau, it's because I'm in my own head and I'm forcing too much training. All right. Where do we want to go with this? I, I really like what you, you did with the mobility there. Um, I'm definitely going to steal some of those. Um, you got any more you want to talk about? Um, those are really I mean, good. I think, I think that kind of protocol stands with most more of the higher level positions, front split, middle splits, back bridge, pancake. If you feel like you've plateaued and you're truthful with yourself that you have been training hard, take a rest week. Um, if you come back from that and after two, three more weeks, you're not seeing, honestly, if you come back from it and you don't feel an awesome session after you've taken seven to 10 days off, uh, then maybe it is time to tweak the protocol. And I would look at what you're doing with any sort of hold work up the time on that, lower the sets and recover longer in between the sets try tweaking that way um i think the best to start the other thing and this can go for strength work or mobility work really um if you're plateauing and you're really not making progress after a while kind of like what john was saying if you're not working with someone you know it may be a good idea to seek out the help of others um, because a lot of the times um especially when i have new athletes most people really think more highly of themselves than they actually are and they're working progressions probably a couple steps ahead of what they should be doing. So they're kind of banging their head into the wall. Um, and with this mobility work or strength work, or like body weight strength work, it's not as obvious. You know, if we have a barbell 
we can't lift it up, you know, oh, it's too heavy, I need to decrease the load. Um, but with these movements, we can, we, it's a little easier on any given day to force through it, but we force through it with crappy, inefficient technique, um, kind of like what I've referred to before is lifting or moving like an asshole. Um, and that inefficient, inefficient movement or overreaching isn't going to lend itself to a, you know, progressing to the next thing. Um, so a lot of the times, you know, a coach can come in and can tell you where you're deficient or where you need to regress the movement to work on. Or maybe you have the capability to be able to perform that movement, but you're just performing it, you know, in the completely wrong pattern. And by just cleaning up these few points of performance, you know, you can start making the progress. I think we had on one Instagram live, I remember we had someone talking about like middle splits, but like he was overextending his, he was in this crazy anterior tilt or folding forward. And just like the simple cue of, you know, having, having him stay more upright, or I don't even know how we fixed it. Um, but it made a difference for him. Um, so just having another set of eyes basically is where I'm going with that and in, in kind of helping you maybe, um, not having you to do all the thinking. Cause like I said, everyone thinks way more highly of themselves than they actually are. Yeah, totally. And I think that goes into, uh, what I, what I was saying about don't expect to make progress after two weeks. Like I think a lot of people, yeah. They, and obviously with Instagram, it's easy to do this because you're like, oh, this person's doing this for front splits, that person's doing this. Mm -hmm. And you just keep trying different shit you see. If you're not sticking to a phase for, in my opinion, with mobility work for at least like six to eight weeks, you're not going to reap the full benefits of that. You really need to, because um, when it comes to these positions, it's the number of drills that are needed. is pretty minimal. It's just a lot. It's, it's a lot of it. Um, and done for an extended period of time. So it's don't get discouraged and think you need to change your program after a couple weeks of doing whatever. I mean, wait for at least six to eight weeks. And then if you still feel like you're at a plateau, then maybe uh, modify what you're doing. And if you've had a plateau for a long time, get a coach and they'll, they'll set you straight and they'll be honest with you. Yeah, people really don't want to hear that, that the, the number of drills or movements you need is really minimal. Everyone's looking for the perfect program or the sexy program. And it's, it's not about that at all. And to be totally honest, everything works for everybody, you know, cause if it, if it didn't, these terrible Instagram coaches, fitness coaches that we see wouldn't be selling programs, but they're, they're still having, some people have success from it. So they're able to sell more programs. Um, so the, the worst program is going to be better than the best program that you don't follow. Um, so you need to stay consistent with it too. That's a great point to bring up, you know, oh, this program isn't working. How long did you do it? How consistent were you actually with it? Well, you know, I tried it once or twice, but then I saw John's page on Instagram and I wanted to start doing what he was doing. Um, so really people need to stay consistent too. So I think that's a, it's a big thing to be aware of. Yeah. So why don't we take this to uh, strength work? What are, as far as like movements within the kind of strength realm, this, this kind of uh, this area that we're involved in, what are some movements that you see plateaus on a lot? What are the common ones? Honestly, it's really just going to be specific to the individual and kind of what their strengths are, their weaknesses are um, anatomy, leg length or leg length, limb length. Um, you know, I have some people that just pick up, you know, planche and lever, no problem. Um, I've had other people that went from, and just being athletic too, or coordinated. I've had people go from, and this isn't normal, 
within six months go from not even having a freestanding handstand to being able to do a full range of motion handstand push up off the edge of a box. Um, so it just all depends on kind of, you know, um, background training experience. And then also the, your anatomy does play a, a nice part in it. You know, if you have shorter arms, um, torso length, all that things can, can help, um, with some of these things, you know, ultimately, um, it's not going to be the make or break there. Um, but if we look at it from a standpoint of the, the big, the big ones I'm going to think of, you know, one arm chin up, handstand, push up, planche and lever. Um, the first thing that comes to mind with any of those is going to be, if we've reached a plateau and we've actually, you know, we can intelligently say, you know, we've been training consistently. We're not overtraining. Um, we're doing all the things that we should be doing. Um, the, the first kind of principle or concept that I would apply to training would be, um, I don't really have a cool name for it. As I'm thinking about it, I'm going to call it the same but different principle. So that would be, let, let's say, let's take one arm chin-ups, for example. Um, generally, I like to see a, a base level of just bilateral pulling. So I want people to be able to pull a certain amount of percentage of their body weight for supinated ring chin-ups or pronated pull-ups. And really, that depends on their goal if they want to be able to do it on a pull-up bar or on rings. Uh, but either way, we need to be able to express some level of strength on weighted chin-ups before really progressing to more specific one-arm chin-up stuff. So if we take the one-arm chin-up example, let's say we've been working supinated chin-ups, weighted chin-ups for a really, really long time, and we're just stuck at you know, a certain weight, a certain number of reps, and we just can't get past it. Um, a simple, where I'm going with this with the same but different principles, change your grip change your grip placement, change your width of the, how you're all, how you are on the bar. Maybe take a, a really narrow neutral grip or go wide on pronated. Um, there's so many different origins and insertions in the back and the amount of muscles and how they can all be affected by just changing simple grip position or hand width. Um, we're going to work different muscles. So we're going to avoid overuse injuries because we're not going to be training the same lines of tension all the time. Um, we're going to approach it with a way different training morale because, you know, at a certain point in time when we get stuck on a movement, um, it becomes frustrating. And, you know, we, we expect a certain level of performance out of ourselves. You know, if the next session you go into it and you're going to do, like I said, neutral, narrow grip chin-ups, you have no expectation of where you're supposed to be. And you don't expect, and most people realistically aren't going to expect this amazing progress in three to four weeks, you know, five weeks. So it, it allows you to take some pressure off yourself and just have fun and increase training morale, which is a huge thing, especially when we hit a plateau because training starts to become sometimes not as fun because you're so frustrated with the process. Um, so yeah, and that, that idea can be applied to really all those movements we talked about. Um, handstand push-up. If you're stuck on doing them on your hands, go do them on the parallettes. Even if you're not capable of, you know, that variation, maybe do them on the wall or a different regress version. Same thing with the, the planche. Um, parallettes are the hands, change it up. Uh, lever, rings or pull-up bar. So just these slight modifications, um, I, I really think is just going to work slightly different muscles, slightly different patterns, change it up um, with kind of, as I'm talking through this, kind of the overall goal of just giving yourself a mental break so you're not doing the same thing over and over again um, and expecting the same results. You know, you're giving yourself a little bit of a break. So it's almost like a, a deload for, I don't want to say your brain, but you just, it's, you can have fun with it and you, 
don't put so much pressure on yourself too, because at some point in time we are pushing ourselves. We probably put a little bit of pressure on ourselves. But yeah, it's a deload, it's a deload to some extent to the movement pattern. Cause I mean, just changing the apparatus going from bar to rings, as you said, there's so many muscles involved acting on the shoulders that it's going to change something within that. I don't know what that would be off the top of my head, but just that change is going to, uh, if you are at this plateau, you're getting super sore from it, working the musculature in a slightly different way is going to be a different stimulus. And uh, I, I could definitely see where that would help get you a, a step forward in the direction you want to go. Yeah. You're still, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, after, if we're taking that supinated chin up example, you know, six weeks of neutral close grip chin up, you go back to supinated and it's not stronger. Yeah. So what do you do? Uh, let's say someone's struggling in the handstand. Cause I th think that's something a lot of people, because it does require a fair amount of just doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah. If someone is plateauing, let's say they're trying to think where within a plateau they are. Um, they're off the, they're, they're still doing chest to walls, but they're able to do a little bit of freestanding. They're maybe somewhat consistent with like a 10 second hold, but they've been there for a month, a month and a half. What is, a way to help kind of leapfrog that. So I would say the big thing um, for the handstand or any of the skill-based movements in general is just finding a variation that we can train to set ourselves up for success. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about um, finding a, a coach that maybe is going to regress you because a lot of the times we're just training too close to our max on too regular of a basis because we come, we become so, you know, tunnel vision on the goal. So we're like, I need to hold a hand, like, I just need to kick up and hold that handstand. I need to just keep trying. Eventually I'm going to get it. You know, a different alternative would be let's eliminate the kick up factor for now and just do toe pulls where, you know, we're in a chest to wall handstand position. Our hands are maybe six inches from the wall. Um, and we can slowly pull our feet, both of our feet off the wall and we're in a freestanding handstand. Um, but we've got there in a much more, um, regressed variation because we don't have to do all the control of the kick up where a lot of energy and um, balance can be wasted if you don't have your kick up right. So if like, let's say we're trying to increase someone's hold capacity, let's eliminate the kick up for the time being and train those two individual components separately um, to really hammer home that hold. Um, and it, it really goes with all the movements, find a variation that you can train. You know, it's, it's no different than weightlifting. Weightlifters don't lift hundred percent of their max all the time. You know, they live in that 80% capacity. So train these move, and it's a little more, um, there's a little more gray area with these body weight movements, but train in a perceived 80% capacity. So you can actually come closer to make that linear progression as opposed to constantly training at our near max hundred percent capacity. It's just kind of like banging our head against the wall on a regular basis. Yeah, I like that. So, I mean, essentially with the handstand you're saying there is regress so you can progress. Um, and I think that could be said for everything we're talking about right now is, and this goes back to you mentioning it's nice to have a coach because they're going to be honest with you. Are you actually at this level you think you at, you're at or are you just getting there and when it's with mobility work, just holding for two seconds with this really shitty form or is your handstand, yeah, you can do a quote unquote handstand push up, but it's, there's so much flailing and momentum going on. Are you really able to do a quote unquote handstand pushup? So maybe it's look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, I, yeah, I can kind of do this one out of every 10 times. Should I really be training this thing? I can only do one out of every 10 times or should I back up to something I can do 
80% of the time and get that to where I can do it 95% of the time. And then let's take it to the next step. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit of an, an ego um, check or, you know, having to realize, oh, maybe I'm not as close to my goal as I want to. But then again, what's the rush too? like, you and I both have kind of realized this, like once we accomplish the, the chase or the excitement towards that goal is way more exciting or the anticipation is way more exciting than achieving the goal. Yes. Achieving the goal is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but like I have clients that tell me like, you know, I've been having dreams that I'm going to get that handstand push up soon, or I'm like thick fantasizing on the one arm chin up. Like that's, that's super exciting to me, you know? And like, when, when I was at that point, like building up to the one arm chin up, for example, like I was obsessed with it, especially when I hit a major plateau on it. Um, so don't like, there's, there's no rush. Um, and you're probably going to get there sooner if you stop rushing or forcing the process. Yeah, totally. And it's, uh, once you do again, quote unquote, get there, you barely have that movement. Like you're still at the tip of the iceberg yeah. to truly own it and to be able to do it whether it's a skill, a strength skill like Wes is describing, your ability to just kick up and do that or crank out a one-arm chin or bang out a handstand push-up or if it's mobility stuff, just from cold, just slip into a middle split or slip into a front split, you're still so far away from that. So just because you can get there after a big-time warm-up, don't think you need to uh, just start training these higher-level positions right away. Maybe you still need to do the stuff that you you're getting 70% of the time and get that up to 80%, 90% and then, and then advance it. So you're really just owning these movements better and better. Yeah. So another one I would say, and it's, it's really piggybacking off of what you were talking about with shorter sets, longer holds, the same thing is going to hold true for this, especially with body weight exercises where, because we're working on, you know, max attempts, um, you know, the first handstand pushup is going to be a single, you know, your one arm chin up, nobody's going to jump up and do two one-arm chin-ups the first time they ever do it. So we're, we're working towards max reps, but that doesn't mean we always have to train at this low, lower end of the rep range. Feel free to do a cycle of, you know, four to eight weeks where we regress the movement and we're working in the eight, you know, 10, maybe even 12 rep range for a while. Um, you know, you're going to be able to refine the movement pattern. So you're going to clean up all the little, um, points of performance that you're essentially fucking up when you're working in the one to two rep range, because especially at first, no one's one rep max is going to be perfect. Um, so it gives you a chance to clean up these movement patterns. You can strengthen weak links that may be occurring because you're compensating um, because we've now we've, re we've regressed the movement to such a point that you can focus on all these things and we're not overreaching. Um, it gives all your joints, tendons, you know, connective tissue, ligaments, whatever, it gives them a break from the heavy loading too. So it's almost like a deload in the sense, but not. So you can come back stronger from it. Um, so that, that would be the next one too. Uh, it's way too often people train in this low rep range all the time. And I, I think there needs to be a little bit of like, essentially I alternate my athletes once every four to eight weeks, depending on the individual and the volume we're working at in the intensity and how close we're getting to it. Um, you know, I'll alternate between, let's keep it simple, high and low reps every four to eight weeks that, that gets changed up. Nice. I like that. Um, well, anything else you think we should touch on strength wise? The last thing I would just say, and we talked about this, uh, the last episode we did, and I don't even know you know on the mailbag, I was like, what do we even do last episode? 
um, lift more weights. You know, it's, it seems counterintuitive to body weight exercises, but we talked about it on the last episode, lifting more weights or using, using weightlifting as assistance exercise to the primary exercises. Um, it, it gives you the opportunity to basically get stronger, make the muscle bigger if we're going to keep it simpler, which can create more strength for the body weight movements. And it's, it's a nice little break from how, once again, how demanding these body weight movements are because they're such a high intensity. Um, so I would definitely encourage people to maybe lift more weight sometimes. Yeah. They're more, more straightforward too. There's less you have to think about. So yeah. it's a nice uh, mental break. Yes, totally. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up uh, episode. I think we think it's 13. We're yeah, calling we it 13. It is. Um, <laughs> if, if not, the next one's going to be 13 for sure. But uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you like the show, obviously subscribe, leave us a review. A rating would be awesome too. Share it with your friends. Uh, post it on your stories on IG. We'll definitely happily share that. And we'd love to get, we've been getting some good questions and comments on uh, possible future episodes. So if you guys have any topic you'd like us to dive deeper into or just a quick topic you want us to hit in a mailbag shoot us a dm we'll happily uh discuss that so until next time uh take it easy we will chat soon buddy